Amen. Good morning. Be seated. Thank you for being with us today. Just a couple of things that I'd like to make reference to. Uh, I do want to continue to encourage you to be reaching out to your friends, your neighbors, your relatives. Invite them to come with us on Easter. Uh, we are committed to making room on Easter. So Easter Sunday will be our last outdoor, indoor service uh, is the expectation and the plan. But, um, but we are going to make sure that we do that on Easter Sunday so that we can say, for 100% certain that there's room for anybody who wants to be here. So we will have uh, all of those things available on Easter Sunday. So please join with us in inviting your friends and your neighbors. You're just doing a mail out to our community this year. So uh, folks will be getting those in the mail from your church. So as you speak to them and invite them, they should be getting something in the mailbox that's also a good reminder. And we'll make those things available to you electronically as well if you want to share those things on your Facebook page or Instagram, wherever that might be. Parents, please listen. We are so excited that Children's Worship has made a return here. Uh, I want to give you some specific instructions. Now, there's going to be about 45 minutes from the time I say this until you actually do it. So we're counting on y'all to be able to remember. Uh, When you go to pick your children up, we're going to ask if you have nursery kids. So basically, if you have anybody under under kindergarten age, uh, they're going to be picked up in the children's wing. Okay. For those of you that are there, we're going to ask you to utilize this hallway where my office is, the hallway between the sanctuary and the the gym area to access those kids. If you have elementary school kids who are in children's worship, they are in the children's building on the back side of the property. We're going to ask you to actually use the gym to go to get those kids. We're trying our best to avoid a bottleneck, right? So uh, things are much better. We've tried to be smart as a church and to avoid as as much, uh, you know, of this as we can. Uh, so please help us. So again, if your children are in the children's wing, you'll go and utilize that hallway. If they're in the children's building, then they're going to be uh, in, in the back building. So you can, you can use the gym, and of course you can go out there and stand around the playground, all those stuff, to wait for the kids to be finished. So please help us with that. And then just remember we do have other things that are listed in your announcements. Uh, use that QR code. Do us a favor. We're still trying to figure out if that's a good idea or a bad idea. So um, if you have a, an opinion about the use of that QR code for announcements, this if, whether it's a good opinion or a bad opinion, shoot us an email. Um, one of us on staff, you can email Autumn in the office. Just say, hey, I love it. Hey, I hate it. Or hey, every time I look at it, I think about setting my, my program on fire. We're good either way. If you'll just let us know so that we can kind of grasp an idea about how to best communicate with uh, with our church family. Having said all of that, um, don't forget we have, uh, there's some women's ministry stuff up there. We have a church barbecue that's very different, but still the same a little bit. So if you want to get a ticket for that, Buster will be trying to catch all of you parents who are going to get your children. So he'll be trying to slow you down so you guys uh, make that purchase today. Having said that, we are in the book of Joshua Chapter 24 today, as we continue our move through the Bible, beginning in Genesis and working our way all the way through Revelation. So I'm going to ask you to turn to the book of Joshua, chapter 24. We're going to read 14 verses today, verses 14 through 28. I'm going to ask you to stand with me in honor of God's word, and I'm going to read to you this morning. Here now, for this is the word of the Lord. These aren't my words. These are not the words of a man. These are God's words that he has recorded for our good and his glory. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. 
Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. And who did these great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the ways that we went and among all the peoples to whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. But Joshua said to the people, You are not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, No, but we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. And he said, Then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, The Lord our God we will serve, and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and put in place statutes and rules for them at Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God. And he who took, excuse me, and he took a large stone and set it up there under the terebinth that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness against us. For it has heard all the words of the Lord that he spoke to us. Therefore it shall be a witness against you, lest you deal falsely with your God. So Joshua sent the people away, every man to his own inheritance. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that this word would speak to us and against us, that it would bear witness in this moment in our lives, Father, of our responsibility to choose this day whom we will serve. Father, speak to us, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Four or five years ago, we got a puppy. I've told you all before, he is the best dog in the world. He is so cool. And for those of you that don't understand, I'm sorry, but uh, one of the first things when you get a puppy is that you understand that the moment that that dog comes into your house is the minute that you begin to train that dog. It, it, you really back yourself into a corner if you say, I would like to have a good dog, but you don't do anything to prepare the, the, the good dog for the first 6, 8, 10, 12 months. We have had friends before who wanted to have a, a, a good pet, but they didn't ever train the dog, for instance, not to jump on people or not to do this or not to do that. And, and then something happens, like they have a baby. I, we, we are kind of beyond that, that place, but Angel and I grew up uh, as we were having our own children. Everybody had a pet, and then they wanted to have a kid. Well, they didn't worry about disciplining the dog or the cat or whatever it was, but then the child comes along, and all of a sudden you're going, I need you to behave, dog. But the problem is it waited far too long. Well, what do I do if I want to have a dog that behaves? At some point, I got to just make a decision. I'm going to start. I got to get started. And it's not just about a dog. It's about anything in the world you want to do. There's got to be a starting point. If you want to learn something, if you want to train yourself to do something new, there's got to be a point in time where you stop procrastinating, you stop putting it off, and you say, today is the day. Beginning right 
here, I start something new. I start something different. This morning, I want us to wrestle with the question, how can you follow the Lord? And as we wrestle with that just a bit, I want to say to you, there's got to be a starting point for you. If you're among us today and you don't know the Lord, or perhaps you're among us today and you would be willing to admit that you don't have a mature or growing relationship with the Lord, sometimes in the church we can sort of assume that everybody knows what they're supposed to do. That you just sort of fall in and everything just sort of happens. But there's a lot of you that sit out there week in and week out and go, I would like to do this, but I don't know where to begin. I don't know where to start. How can you follow the Lord? The short answer is this, start today. Start today. But how in the world do you get there? The book of Joshua ends with Joshua uh, essentially passing the torch again. You remember Deuteronomy ended with Moses passing the torch to Joshua. Joshua's ending with Joshua passing the torch essentially. We're going to transition to the book of Judges. The book of Judges is going to start off pretty good. It's going to end pretty bad. Because we're going to see that there arose a generation after Joshua that did not know the Lord or his mighty works. They didn't know Joshua. But for now, we find ourselves in Joshua. They have, 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 have conquered much of the promised land. There is still much yet to be done. we got the story of Caleb. Did any of you read the story of Caleb yet this week? Right? We, we've got Caleb who says, here I am at 85 years old, but I think there's still a little bit of gas in the tank i got a job to do. I need some 85-year-olds to step up and say there's still work for me to do. be totally honest, I'm going to need some of you 45-year-olds to step up and say there's work for me to do. There's always something for us. But how do we get there? Where do we begin? Joshua calls the people to account. And he says, "You, I'm, I'm fixing to leave and you must decide. This is almost identical to the same charge that Moses gave that we looked at just last week. Choose today what you will do. But perhaps some of you walk away maybe last week or maybe for all of your journey into this Christian life regularly saying, but how do I follow the Lord? How can I serve the Lord? Maybe you're a person that just wandered in here today or stopped in online for the very first time and and maybe you've asked that question yourself. How can I serve the Lord? The first thing for us to do and to consider is that you've got to make a decision. You've got to make a decision. There's got to be a starting point. Joshua called on the people to make a decision, to choose. He said to them, will you serve the gods that your fathers served beyond the river? Or will you serve the gods of the Amorites? Or will you serve the Lord? Choose you this day whom you will serve. What does it look like for you to follow the Lord? The first step in the process is to make a decision. Now, decision-making isn't always easy, is it? How many of you have ever agonized over what to order at a restaurant or what to wear to school? I see husbands and wives staring at each other with disdain right now. How many of you have ever spent so much time... This is me and Angela. How many of you have ever spent so much time trying to figure out what movie you wanted to watch that you could have watched two movies in the amount of time you spent trying to figure out what you were going to watch? Those are decisions we agonize over. They are decisions that we really should spend less time over. One of the things that I've begun doing, Angela doesn't always love this, but I buy the same shirts over and over and over again. And I buy the same shirts over and over and over again. So at the very least, the only thing I have to ask her is, does this color match these pants? And if we've got that out of the way, everything else is just fine. I know that it fits. I know that it's comfortable. I take away some of that decision agony. It also helps her if she ever wants to shop for me. I say, hey, 
pretty much any shirt at this store that is affordable and in this size fits me. So if you like it, I'll wear it. That's a whole lot better than her trying to peruse the internet and go, I wonder if Craig will like this. I try to make it a little bit easier. But, you know, I recently learned that it's often helpful for us to ask ourselves a series of questions to help speed up decision-making processes. So the first question I ask myself is, is this decision going to affect me in a year? And if the answer is no, I say, is this decision going to affect me in a month? And if the answer is no, I say, is this decision going to affect me in a week? And if the answer is no, there is really no excuse for me spending more than about two, two minutes on making that decision, right? If, if you guys are going to go out to lunch today, you go and you sit down at the restaurant and you're looking over that menu and you say, what am I going to eat? Am I going to have the chicken or am I going to have the shrimp? Well, if you're alert, you, you say, is this going to affect me in a year? You say, well, I'm allergic to shrimp, so it could affect me in a year. Well, that's a pretty big decision. But for most of us, we go, ah, no, it's probably not going to matter. What about in a month? No, I don't even remember what I ate yesterday. Oh, so it's not even going to affect you in a week. Why in the world are we spending so much time? We need to speed some of those things up. But what if it will affect you next year? If you're buying a new suit for Easter, maybe you need to think a little bit into the future because that will be a, a, a garment, an article of clothing that you might keep for several years. Some of you are going, I haven't owned a suit in years and I'm not going to today. Listen, y'all, Easter's coming. I'm going to wear a suit at Easter. I'm, I'm excited. I've not worn real clothes to church in a year. Right? I'm, I'm excited about it. But Joshua called on Israel to make a decision, but the decision they were called to make was a decision that would have eternal ramifications too often i think people are making eternal decisions with less than eternal considerations what about you where will you spend eternity who will you serve have you chosen to serve the god of the bible or the gods of this age to be totally honest too many people in our culture and unfortunately some within even our church have chosen to follow the god of this age without even thinking about it let's think about some of the gods of this age Rage, anger, dissatisfaction. The gods of this age are the gods that say that political, uh, in, political means are needed to meet spiritual ends in our world. The gods of this age capture our hearts. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What, what are you serving? What does it look like in your life? Choose this day, but understand the choice to serve the Lord is a choice that comes with eternal significance. Choosing to serve the Lord requires more of us than simply vegging out in front of our favorite rage-inducing TV news program or whatever's hottest on TikTok or Instagram or wherever you might find yourself. Choosing to serve the Lord requires all of us to consider who do we want to be and whose do we want to be. To make a decision. But when he called on Israel to make a decision, I want you to understand that it was still a challenging decision for them. They were facing a choice between first whether or not they would serve the gods of their fathers. He says, will you walk away from your ancestry and your heritage to serve the Lord? Next, they were called upon to choose whether or not they would serve the Lord or whether they would serve the God of the culture into which they had found themselves today. Not only will you walk away from your heritage, you turn your back on the modern age. Will you choose to serve the Lord? Folks, I want you to hear me today. There is only one choice that promises for us eternity with Christ. 
And eternity with Christ means walking away from the past. It means often divorcing ourselves from those things that are, comp- or that are popular in the present. But folks, it means immersing ourselves in the love and the hope and the joy of a relationship with Christ. Choose you this day. Make a decision. You say, Craig, I don't know what it means. Okay. I'm not asking you to get everything figured out today. I'm asking you to weigh in the balances, the evidence of Christ. I'm asking you to weigh whether or not it matters. Make eternal decisions today. Do you want to spend eternity with Christ or separate with Christ? What does it look like to follow the Lord? The first thing you'll do is make a decision. The old adage, the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. It's probably been repeated more than it should in a sermon, right? But the truth of the matter is the journey of life with Christ begins with the decision to trust Christ. And beginning with that decision doesn't mean you've got all the answers figured out. It doesn't mean that you know exactly where the road will lead. It simply means that you've decided to take up a journey with Christ. What can you do to follow the Lord? How can you follow the Lord? First, make a decision. The second thing is change your habits. The, the, the command from Joshua for them to change their habits followed the command to make a decision. He said, put away your foreign gods. That jumped off the page at me when I read through Joshua. It jumped off the page. I'm not sure why that had never really resonated with me before, but this year it really dug in deep. These were the children of Israel. These were the Hebrew people that God had delivered from Egypt. They had seen God work mighty wonders. He had kept them for over 40 years. And yet... Many of them continued to serve foreign gods. Joshua is speaking to a mixed multitude. Not only are they a mixed multitude ethnically, not only are they a mixed, mixed multitude as it relates to perhaps their ages, they're a mixed multitude as it relates to their belief systems. There are no doubt those that we might classify as being mature followers of the Lord, and then there are those who are immature, and then there are those who are still embracing a polytheistic understanding of religion. And what is polytheism? Polytheism is a belief that there are multiple gods. And polytheism is very comfortable. Because polytheism says, well, there's the God that does this for me, so I'm going to make sure I give him a little bit of of attention. Then there's a God who does this for me, so I'm going to give him a little bit of attention. There's a God who will do this, so I give him a little bit of attention. So maybe you got the God who's, who's interested in your crops, and so you take care of him. And then the God of your bank account, so you take care of him. And then you got the God of your, your, your love life or your relationships, so you, you take care of him or her. And it's always about appeasing all these different gods, theoretically, so that I can get what I want in life. This is where it kind of hits home. How many, how many of those who claim to follow Christ have adopted a polytheistic approach to living their life? No, you don't fall down and worship a supernatural God, but how many of you have bought into the lie? That there are many other things that are necessary for you to find fulfillment and satisfaction in life. How many of us wrestle with the materialism of our age and believe that it's necessary for me to have all these things to find joy, happiness, and fulfillment and satisfaction rather than being satisfied in Christ? How many of us have bought the spirit of the age to begin to believe that for us to really find satisfaction, we've got to adopt the sexual ethic of our age as opposed to the ethic of Christ. Oh, we, we claim to be just devoted followers of Jesus, but how often do we find ourselves looking for satisfaction, all the other things, all the other opportunities, all the other avenues? 
The people to whom Joshua was speaking were a mixed multitude of different belief systems. And yet when Joshua spoke to them, the first thing he said was not, hurry up and get your life in order and then, and then choose to follow the Lord. Joshua instead said, make a decision, and then once you've made a decision, we're going to address these habits. We're going to address these character issues. Folks, if you're waiting to feel like changing, you're going to wait for a long time. Why is that? Because if you're waiting to feel like changing, folks, you're going to have to get your, everything in you to work against your nature. I'm often not going to feel like changing. We, we made reference last week to weight loss. How many times have you ever woke up and thought, I feel like not eating potato chips today? I'm going to be honest, that never happened in my life. Now, some of you, there might be something genetically wrong with you and you don't like potato chips, okay? You should probably go to the doctor and get all that worked out. But nobody just wakes up and goes, oh, you know that junk food that's been my favorite thing forever? Today, I think I don't want to eat it anymore. No, you've got to decide today I want to be a healthier person. I don't feel like being a healthier person. That's why, what is it, somebody 75%, it might be higher than that, of folks who have heart attacks, they have a heart attack, they go to the hospital, they have open-heart surgery, the doctor says you need to exercise and eat healthy. I think it's higher than 75%, I don't remember, but a huge number of them never, ever cling to that healthy lifestyle. The doctor says do this or die, and they'll choose death over life. Because changing our habits is hard. Folks, when it comes to choosing to follow Jesus, let me tell you, if you're waiting to get your life together before you come to the Lord, you've got it all backwards. He says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. In other words, come to me all of you that are broke down and miserable. I will give you rest. Now Joshua does something even more here. Joshua goes so far as to warn the people that they are not able to serve the Lord. Pretty encouraging stuff from Joshua, right? Joshua's this, he's, he would not be a very good motivational speaker. Oh, you want to serve the Lord? Newsflash, you can't do it, you losers. What is there? What's right there? The hint of our need for an intercessor. We can't do it. We needed someone to do it for us. So make the decision and then lean into the one who can help you. And once you've decided they're told, put away these foreign gods. Put away these foreign gods. Many of these people didn't have a pure religion, but the first step was to make a decision to change. And then they were told to change their habits. It's akin to salvation and discipleship, right? It's the way we talk about this in the Christian life. There's salvation, that is that moment when the Lord saves you, when your life is changed, when your destination and your address is moved from hell to heaven. That is your moment of salvation. But then the process of sanctification is that process of becoming more like Christ. And that process of sanctification comes about not only as the Holy Spirit invests in your life and changes you, it comes about as you find and, and submit to discipleship. We've got this, this responsibility to care for one another, to see that habits are changed. Christian, listen to me. We must not tell people to change and then come to church. We are broken 
if we are not a hospital for the broken. Do you understand? I've not been able to be in the hospital in about a year. But one thing that I see when I go into the hospital is sick people that come into that hospital that need healing. How dare we as the church look down on those who limp into our services, who limp into our ministries, who crawl in with nothing left to give? No! We don't say get your mess together and then come to Jesus. We say come to Jesus and we'll help you figure it out. But not only that, (coughs) what if you are that person that limped in here this morning? I've got good news. Joshua looked at a bunch of people and said, if you'll follow the Lord, then put away your foreign gods. You came in here with your baggage. You came in here with your idolatry. You came in here with your sin. Listen to me. We're not running you off. We welcome you with open arms, but we want you to hear this. God loves you right where you are and has no intention of leaving you in that place. He longs to set your feet on the solid rock that is Jesus Christ and to change your life. If you're here and you feel unworthy, fear not. You're in the perfect spot for God to do something incredible in your life because He takes those things that are broken and He makes them whole again. Choose this day whom you will serve. We'll start on the habits tomorrow. We might start on the habits tonight, but for right now, don't worry about what happened yesterday. I want you to consider instead what happened 2,000 years ago when Christ died on the cross for your sins and for mine. You say, Craig, you don't know who I am or where I've been, and I'm telling you it doesn't matter because Jesus went where you couldn't go to take you to a place you could never believe was possible. Folks, that's why we're so excited about Easter. That's what we're looking forward to when we celebrate the resurrection. The one who hung on a cross on Good Friday died. Descended, the Bible says, to hell and the grave and overcame them all for our good and for his glory. And on Easter Sunday, praise Jesus, we will celebrate his resurrection from the grave. What a hope, what a joy, what a Savior we serve. So what if yesterday was bad? What if last week was rough? What if your life has been just one giant mess up? You are ripe for the gospel. You have found the perfect place for imperfect people. And can I tell you a little secret? If you look beside you, you're probably going to find somebody whose life was a mess one time before as well. You might even find somebody whose life was a mess last year or two years ago. And you might find that those people who have seen so much mess in their own life can tell you what a joy it is to see Jesus put the pieces back together. Make a decision. We'll worry about those habits. The habits matter. But let's not get things out of order. Make a decision today to trust Christ. Then we'll work on the habits. And then finally find accountability. Find someone to help you. Joshua says you are witnesses against yourselves. Again, not a great motivational speaker. Joshua says you can't do this. 
And then, by the way, you've just made a commitment. I'm going to hold you to it, and we're not going to call witnesses from somewhere else. I'm going to use all of you as witnesses for this situation. You said you were going to. Everybody here has a responsibility to everybody here to hold everybody here responsible to do everything that everybody here said they were going to do. That gets kind of confusing. It's sort of circular, isn't it? But that's sort of the point. Joshua says you're responsible to one another. Find accountability. And then they, they agree. They say, okay, we want to serve the Lord and we'll hold each other accountable. Folks, do you understand what kind of crazy is going on right here? This is the kind of crazy that we need within a local church. This is sort of crazy that God's called us to. To say that I love you enough to tell you when your mess stinks right now and I want to help you. I love you enough to look at you and say you made a commitment here. And you're not fulfilling that commitment. I'm not walking away with you or from you, but I'm going to walk with you. But I, I love you enough to, to, to let you know. This is what a church is supposed to be. This is what our life groups are to do here at Malvern Hill. You all know the value of accountability. I don't have to tell you. Listen, if you've tried to exercise, you know that it's helpful to have some accountability. I have a friend that gets up and meets these people to, to, to exercise before 5 o'clock in the morning in the cold outside. That is, that is not smart. And they keep doing it. Why? Because there are other people that show up. There are these other people. They're just crazy. Listen, if accountability will get you there, what in the world might a little bit of accountability in the church do? It helps us. It will help you in your journey with Christ. Listen, there, there are other reasons to be connected to a local church. There are, there are multitudes of reasons to be connected to a local church. In our next steps class, we talk about that. We connect to a local church for, for, for discipleship, for evangelism, for missions, for the, for the sort of corporate witness of Christ. We connect to a local church in obedience to Christ. But y'all, the accountability piece of a local church, it almost trumps all of those. Almost, not quite. But it only works when a church does what a church is supposed to do. And, and, and keep in mind that accountability isn't always mean. Oh, we've allowed culture to hijack those words, great accountability and discipleship. I'm going to pick on some of our ladies. Some of our ladies are in, involved in grace groups here. And, um, and, and those are, are they're, they're accountability groups. And years ago, when we were wrestling with this idea, we called them accountability groups. And by we, I mean all of us men. And the lady said, that sounds mean. We should call them grace groups. Sorry, I was picking fun at those of you. One of, it doesn't matter. And, and, and for the record, they're, they're wonderful pictures. I was reminded this week, I saw, saw a picture of one of our, our grace groups on, online. What a wonderful thing that these ladies are doing to care for one another and hold one another accountable. But see, we've allowed culture to hijack that word accountability, and it sounds like a bad word. But it doesn't sound like a bad word when it gets you up in the morning at 4 o'clock to go and exercise with friends. It sounds like a pretty good thing. Accountability is only a bad word when we don't do it the right way. Within the church, accountability doesn't usually look like me grabbing you up by your collar and saying, what's wrong with you? That's called parenting. That was supposed to be funny. I don't know if they laughed inside, but I appreciate the humor out here. Usually accountability looks a lot more like a phone call that says, I missed you yesterday. I've missed you for the last month. Is everything okay? 
Accountability looks like community. And guess what? In real community, there's an expectation that you show up because you have a part to play. And sometimes your part is just being there, isn't it? Accountability. Joshua says that you all, you all bear witness against one another. Folks, what does it look like to follow the Lord? How can you follow the Lord? You've got to make a decision. You, you've got to change your habits. But folks, you've got to find accountability. And accountability doesn't usually begin in these very formal ways. There are a few people in my life who I have looked at in the eye and I've said, I need you in my life to tell me if I get out of line. I need, to, I need you to do that. And, I, and I've said, I, I want to specifically give you permission to say anything to me that needs to be said if you see me living in a way that doesn't honor Christ. Can I tell you why that's important? Because there's still some people that feel a little awkward about speaking to their pastor. Okay? And so it's really important for me to say to some folks, I need you to forget anything that you might think about about hierarchies or anything like that, and I need you to know that I need you to speak into my life. But nine times out of ten, accountability doesn't require those formal structures. Nine times out of ten, it requires being a friend and being friendly to somebody else within the context of a local church in a gospel-saturated kind of way. Right? So it means, for instance, showing up to life group week in and week out, considering God's word, wrestling together as a group of believers about what it looks like not only to hear the word, but to live out the word and to obey the word and to honor the word. It looks like parents growing up together in the church because that's what we as parents do, right? We have a baby and we don't know what to do with a baby and then we have a, a, a teenager and we don't know what to do with a teenager and then we have a college kid one day and we don't know what to do with that. So we're all growing up with our kids. It's, it's having those people in the church that help us to grow up and to wrestle with what it looks like at each stage of life to manage our families biblically. See, that's accountability. And when I make myself open, and I'm going to use the word vulnerable, within that community, then what happens is real accountability takes place. So somebody looks at you and says, hey, I missed you last week, and that's called accountability. And they say, where were you? And you say, well, you know, we spent a weekend in spiritual retreat as a family up a dark, secluded mountain with no technology, and we really tried to dig in deep. And they look at you and they go, I know you're lying. Because you've never spent more than 27 minutes without your phone. We missed you last week. And you go, all right, it was daylight savings time. We missed everything last week. I don't even know what happened when I rolled over. I just turned on the TV. And accountability says, well, I love you. I'm sorry that happened. Please don't let it happen again. We'll see you next Sunday. Accountability doesn't require me to go, what do you mean? You laid in the bed. Find accountability. Accountability in raising our children. Where somebody says, hey, where's your kid at today? Your 10-year-old. And you're, ah, he didn't want to come, so I left him at home. And somebody puts their arm around you and says, um, brother, I love you. But if your 10-year-old is calling the shots in your house today, you're in for a world of hurt at 14. I'll pray with you, but, but let me encourage you. Drag that kid here kicking and screaming. Okay? That, that's, that's accountability, and that's discipleship. This is what it looks like. 
Do you want to raise children that know the Lord? See, see, Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Choose you this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house. So when you make the decision, and we're just trying to flesh some of this out, okay? I'm, I'm not trying to belabor the point. I'm trying to flesh this out. When you make the decision that says, I'm going to raise my children. I'm going to have a family. We're going to be a family that honors the Lord first. And that means that we're going to raise children that honor the Lord first. And so when you say to other people within your church body, then what you do is you open up the opportunity for them to help you understand how you raise these children. And so somebody comes to you and, 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 and they say, how, how, what do I do with a three-year-old or a two-year-old or a one-year-old? Free parenting advice for those of you who have two-year-olds at home. Teach them to eat their broccoli today. Why? I don't really care if they eat broccoli when they're 30. I mean, they should. It's good for them. But what I do care about is that when they're 14, they understand that there are authority figures in their life, that mom and dad are an authority, that, that God the Father is an authority figure over all of them, that they understand when they're 2 that they must submit to the authority in their homes, so that when they're 14 they can understand they've got to submit to the authority of the Lord. And it might not be broccoli in your house. You understand that. It might be something else. But, but when we teach our kids to submit to authority in the home, then we have an opportunity to teach them to submit to a greater authority. And we're reminding them all the time, why do I have to eat my broccoli? Because mommy and daddy said so and because God has given us instructions and we've got we to honor those things as well. Craig, what in the world does this have to do? It has to do with making a decision, changing our habits, and then finding accountability. And that accountability is going to take all sorts of shapes and sizes as throughout your Christian journey. And so it might be the, the accountability of what it looks like to help your children grow, to, grow to, to know the Lord. It might be accountability when you find yourself as an empty nester. How, how many of you that, that approached that empty nest stage needed the accountability of somebody to call you on the phone and say, hey, we missed you yesterday because when you no longer had kids that were in church and plugged in, it got really easy to just check out completely. And somebody need to call you and say, we need you more than we need, ever needed you. You've got extra time on your hands. Will you invest in some of these young parents? Can we, can we count on you? Because we need you at the church. Find accountability. Where in the world does that leave us? How can you follow the Lord? Folks, I want you to know that following Jesus isn't always easy. It's rewarding, and it's worth it, but it isn't always easy. But the reality is that at some point, you've got to take all the data, all the experiences, and all the information, and you're still going to have questions, but at some point, you've got to make a decision. A year ago yesterday, a year ago yesterday, my day began at 7.30 in the morning. It was before 7.30. It was a Saturday. And before 7.30, I was on the phone. And I was on the phone with an infectious disease specialist. I was on the phone with other pastors across the state and in our county. And then at about 9 o'clock, I arranged a conference call with all of our deacons and other leadership. I talked with our pastors. I talked with Rhonda and others that were involved in leadership here. I'd spoken with life group leaders. And, and I'll, I'll never forget that the infectious disease guy that I spoke to, he's also a pastor, which is so wonderful, because I said, brother, we're trying to figure out what to do. And he said, Craig, I'll just be honest with you. He said, if you gather for worship, there's a strong possibility that somebody with COVID will be in your building tomorrow. 
He said, it's that widespread within our community. I said, so are you saying we shouldn't worship? He said, I never said that. He said, I, I, I'm conflicted because nothing is more important than worshiping the Lord. He said, but how do we protect our people? 7.30 in the morning, he and I are having that. Happy Saturday, right? Happy Saturday. We have a conversation with our deacon body. We decided at that point with limited information that we were going to, we were going to suspend life groups for the following Sunday. We were only going to have worship, and that would give us time to catch our breath. You remember at that point, we were the epicenter of a COVID outbreak in, in almost in the country, definitely in our state. So we made that decision, and so about 1 o'clock I finished with all of my conference calls and all my things, and whatever we were going to do as a family, we did. And, and I'm sitting there going, what in the world are we dealing with? None of us have any idea at that point. Then about 7 o'clock that night I get a call from another pastor and says, hey, the city is asking all the churches in the city to just pause worship tomorrow so that we can figure out what in the world to do. And, and he called, he said, I know you're not in the city, but I thought you'd want to know, we're right on the edge of the city limits. And so again, another conference call, reach out to our leadership, hey, this is what the city's asked us to do for the time being. What should we do? We, we made the decision that we would, we, would, we would not have worship on that Sunday, and then we figured, eh, we'll take two weeks and everything will be back to normal. That didn't exactly work out, did it? That next Sunday, things were awkward. For those of you that try to tune in at home or... Our internet feed was garbled. It was in and out. I looked at times like I was having some kind of a, a medical emergency because of the way the internet kept messing up. The number of y'all laughing right now tells me that y'all talked about this. It kind of hurts my feelings. And then, and then we find ourselves trying to navigate the waters of what to do. Do you know that especially in the first couple of months, we were having to make decisions with very limited information. We can look back on some of those decisions now and we can say, well, that was the right decision. Some of them will say that was the wrong decision. Some of you are sitting there right now, and, and some of you might even be smug going, hmm, I told them the whole time we should have never canceled worship. Well, well, great job. You were right. Good. It would have been okay. Some of you are going, I can't believe we ever got back together. And I go, great job. You're right. We're good. Because, see, the reality is that if nothing happens, then everybody goes, we should have all gotten together. But then if we all get together and 15 people get sick, we go, why in the world did they make that decision? You understand? We have to make decisions, and, and then, we have to, then we end up second-guessing all these decisions. But we have to make decisions every day. How can you follow the Lord? Make a decision. Consider the evidence. Consider the alternatives. Then make a decision. Will you today follow the Lord? Will you turn? And listen to me. Some of you need to hear this. Will you turn from the God's of your ancestry and when I say that you're scratching your head a little bit and you're going whoa you know we, we weren't Buddhists we we weren't pagans some some of you though hear what I'm saying because some of you grew up in homes where there was no reverence of the Lord where the God of your home some of you have histories of drug abuse in your family to such a degree that that everybody that you ever knew it seemed like was addicted to something Will you turn from the gods of your fathers? Will you resist the draw of the gods of our current cultural moment? Will you serve the Lord? And then 
Will you change your habits? Make a decision. It's okay if you're a mess today. It's okay if you don't have it all figured out. The Israelites were still worshiping foreign gods when Joshua spoke to them. We'll get you some help. Make a decision. Then let's talk about what the next steps are. Then let's get moving with accountability. Let me finish with this question. What if you got it all out of order? What, what if you say, but Craig, I, I've already been plugged into life group here. and Craig, I, I've actually been a member here for five years. But when I hear you say this, Craig, I realize that I've never actually made a decision to follow the Lord. Craig, I, I am Israel today. I still hold on to my foreign gods. I don't want you to get caught up too much in the decision matrix. Don't worry about where you were yesterday or where you even were this morning. If you recognize right now that you're not committed wholeheartedly and completely to the Lord, even if you don't know what tomorrow holds, let me challenge you with this. Make a decision today. Let us walk with you in the next steps. Let us help you to change your habits. Let us help you to find discipleship and accountability. We can worry about all that tomorrow. Don't let the cares and the concerns of tomorrow rob you of the opportunity to choose today whom you will serve. If you're here with us today and you need to make that decision, I'll be standing right over there. One of our other pastors will be standing down front inside, and they'd love to speak with you. If you're here today and, and you've got questions, maybe there are other decisions you'd like to make. However it is that you need to do business, we want to walk with you today. How can you follow the Lord? Start right now and let us help you. Let us help you along the journey to find the next steps along the way. Let me pray for us. Lord God, I pray that you would give us all courage to be brutally honest about our spiritual condition for those who may be here today who don't know you that Lord God they would not be impaired or infringed upon by their fears Lord God by their pride but that today Lord God they would submit themselves to the Lord choose this day whom they would serve that that would be you guide us be with us as we sing Lord God be praised through these words and Lord God work in the hearts of your people. In Christ's name, amen. Please stand with us.